1: Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast.
2: Welcome in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show, Wednesday edition of the program. We hope you're always being welcomed back into the show, whether it's the beginning of the show or the end of the show. We hope you never leave. Um, you can go download the podcast. You can go make sure that you download the iHeartRadio app, and boom, you'll be able to listen to us all day long, no matter where you are. we got a bunch to get with you uh, discussing so far today. We have right now Christopher Ray testifying uh, on Capitol Hill, FBI director. We've got some clips that we will play and discuss. And we're going to be joined by Representative Mike Johnson, Republican from Louisiana, who had some fireworks early on with Mike, uh, with Christopher Ray. We will play those for you. Rand Paul, Senator from Kentucky, scheduled to join us at the top of the third hour. He said he's got some news to break with us. All of that coming your way. Inflation comes in at 3%. There's lots of celebration. What I would point out is something that I think a lot of people don't discuss, all of that massive increase in inflation, now it's still growing at 3% on top of that. So if you're out there and you're like me, and every time you go to the movies, or every time you go through a fast food drive through and you're like, 75 bucks, how is this possible? The numbers aren't coming down. Those numbers are now baked in. What you pay for a hamburger has skyrocketed. What you pay for french fries, potato chips, treats at the movie theater, all of it not going away. Have you noticed this, Buck? as much yeah. in your day-to-day
5: oh absolutely and it's a decrease in the increase that you're Correct. already seeing which is what it's a little bit like when the government starts to tell you like oh like we're gonna even republicans we're gonna have some big budget cuts and then like oh these austerity measures how are we gonna handle all this austerity and then you find out we're arguing over a decrease in the increase in yes. spending you know this is i'm a million dollars in debt Oh, I'm going to be austere. I'm only going to add another 100,000 instead of 200,000 on top of that. Inflation in this regard is somewhat similar in that inflation is still high. It's just decreasing year over year and it's not going up as fast as people had thought.
2: I mentioned, I think, on the show that like every time I go through a fast food drive through now for my boys and uh, inevitably some of their friends and, you know, we're buying hamburgers and, and ketchup and, and I hope we get ketchup, but French fries, hamburgers and French fries just kind of rolling through. Every time I go through a drive thru it's like seventy-five bucks now. I took my kids, Buck, and uh, several of their friends to go watch this—you uh, know—the Spider-Verse movie, which I thought was pretty good. Spider-Man for the parents, grandparents out there—they do the Spider-Verse movie. I enjoyed it. Took the kids. I spent a hundred and forty dollars at the concession stand in the movie theater. Now I had six kids. I think my wife was with me. Um, you know, there's so six, you know, seven or eight people that I'm buying for $140 on popcorn and candy. And at movie theaters have always been expensive. I know every dad for generations has said, Oh my God, I can't believe what I just had to spend at the movie theater. But the numbers that now come up when you do things that are not supposed to be super expensive go through the drive through of fast food. Most people do fast food because it's both fast, convenient, and not that expensive. You can't do anything affordably. So, Yes, inflation is coming down, but the numbers, that 9% inflation, that 10% inflation in many parts of the country, that's baked in forever. They're never going to come back off of
5: the numbers that we have now. I mean, if you make omelets like I do, you make a three-egg omelet these days, and you feel like you should be making glib remarks about the peasants because they can't afford the three eggs because eggs are crazy expensive, a lot of things. Now, I know there's bigger reasons for that. But overall, grocery store prices have gone have gone up. But one of the problems with uh, oh, and I have a few. Do you have any friends who raise chickens? You know, Diana I know people, Luna. I don't have
2: any. I got people who raise kids, and if you raise kids and chickens, that seems like a bridge too far. But I do know a lot of people are doing it.
5: Congresswoman Luna up in Tampa told me she gave me a whole rundown on how how much fun it is to raise chickens and how much better their eggs taste and these days it feels like it's pretty economical too because of the price that that you're seeing in the grocery store. you know
2: what i did buck that i was like i i feel like i should confess on the radio over the weekend i had avocado toast on back-to-back days did you
5: have it with gavin newsom because that's what he has clay
2: i is that what he has for brett probably is and you know what i have to make a confession it's really good this, yeah. I, I know that it's it's trendy to make fun of uh, the millennials and Gen Z's over their avocado toast. I had avocado toast. I was at a wedding in Chicago, back-to-back days, for breakfast on Saturday and Sunday. I had it on Saturday, and I was like, oh, it's pretty good. Because they didn't have anything else that I would order, and I was like, I'll get this avocado toast. Then I had it on Sunday, back-to-back days. It's now a trend. I They're right on this one. Avocado toast is really good.
5: We got to use some AI to get, to create a clay with avocado toast beam or something. Um, Do you I think people
2: say, trust me less now on the show because I just confessed that I like avocado toast?
5: No, you're a, you're a you're a renaissance man. You know what I mean? You're uh, you got many many hats. Clay wears many hats, and and uh, I, I would I wanted to bring this just around for a second to and this is kind of a a thing that I wish I didn't have to say, but even though what we just described, which is that prices are still high and inflation overall, I mean. You know, inflation overall is still high. Look at where mortgages are right now. There, there's stuff to point to that's problematic for the economy. The high prices for a lot of people, they become somewhat used to it. Yeah. And Joe Biden, I know Bidenomics, everyone's talking about it. Joe Biden is not in the, you know, brutal recession. I mean, people have been thinking that this was going to happen. Maybe it still will. But this is an economy that they will be able to. To spin, if it stays like it is now, if perception stays where it is, um, which is a problem for Republicans in 2024. I'm not saying it's a good economy, it's not, but it's not so awful that it will override their ability to try to convince people that, you know, the job's not done and build back better and all the propaganda fire hose uh, is going to be enough that they, they're able to convince us otherwise.
2: Buck. I want to play uh, you're talking about Biden and I think this is important. I, last night, and I know he's on he's in Europe so it's a little bit different in terms of the time zones, but he didn't go to the dinner of all the UN uh, the the NATO leaders. I think that they had a big dinner and they said that he was tired and so he couldn't go. If you have watched him walk around, just walk around with Prince Charles and with the Prime Minister of England and many of the other global leaders. I think it's becoming increasingly impossible, even for people on the left wing, to argue that Joe Biden is okay because it's to the point now, Buck, where every step that he takes, I think he might fall. There are—I'll give you an example. I, this past weekend, I was with my—I um, was with my father-in-law and my stepmother-in-law at a wedding. My father-in-law is approaching eighty. Uh, my stepmother-in-law is approaching eighty. There was a wedding that went to 1 a.m. They were on the dance floor till 1 a.m. There is a big difference between how people at the age of 80 are able to carry themselves. Joe Biden is not a healthy 80. He's not a vibrant 80. He's not a in control. I watched Indiana Jones, Buck. They just filmed the Harrison Ford fifth Indiana Jones movie. Harrison Ford's a pretty vibrant 80. Joe Biden is for 80 year olds. In the bottom, I would say 10 or 20% almost of physically, when I'm talking about the mental capacity, of the physicality, right? Like, he can barely get up and down stairs.
5: And Mika over at Morning Joe is very upset about the inability to cover this up by his staff. If Joe stumbles, it's the staff's fault. Mika, Mika, by the way, knows how to order around staff. Let me tell you something that she's good at is, you know, telling the, the servants where to go and what to do. Here she is getting a little bit upset at the situation of Joe Biden just being as old and feeble as he is. Gotta cover it up. She wants them to cover it up better. Play it.
6: I think his staff needs to own his age. I'm just going to be honest. I don't think they do a good job helping out the president. And I'm not talking about it like I'm just saying if you are managing a president's schedule and you are managing a president getting on stage and getting off stage and doing getting on planes and getting off plane. And yes. He's 80. You need to be there for him and you need to make a pathway. And you sure as hell better make sure he doesn't fall on a sandbag. And I blame the staff for that. I mean, these are the things that are going to hurt him. These are things that are going to be played on a loop. Okay, so do a better job because you can't have these video images of the president tripping or the president like going the wrong way. It's not going to work in this presidency because his age is going to be a factor.
5: Can I tell you what's going on here, Clay, in my mind? Mika is upset that when she's out with the other trust fund stepmoms, moms, um, they're upset that they have to pretend like Joe Biden is not old and feeble because everyone's seeing it. You know, it's becoming uh, it's becoming embarrassing among Democrats that they have to look at each other and act like this isn't the glaring problem that it actually is. But that doesn't mean they won't vote for him, or it doesn't mean that they care enough to do anything about it. They just want it to be covered up better.
2: Think about where we are, Buck. We're now to the point where MSNBC, which is default left-wing Democrat propaganda, is now blaming staffers for Joe Biden tripping and falling on stage for the fact that there were sandbags on the stage, which I believe were designed, Buck, to keep the lectern from blowing over in the wind, it's not Joe Biden's fault for tripping. Remember we played that clip of all the MSNBC people coming on saying, I fall all the time. This is not a big deal. People fall all the time. I just fell, I mean, and you heard it, and you thought to yourself, this is like Kim Jong-un-level propaganda. The man is not well, okay? Okay. He is neither physically nor mental well, mentally well. I think you could have a legitimate debate. Which is worse? Joe Biden's physical state, which is bad. Cause he, you know, he, he even knows it's bad, Buck, cause he does that little thing where he pretends like he's running, you know, when he, uh, when he is about to fall over. Buck, I, I know they were trying to make him seem like he was so vibrant and with it. Did you see him dragging around the, lo- the lounge chair or the, uh, on the beach over the weekend? They were like, look at Joe Biden with his shirt off. Like, and he was dragging around like a, a, a chair to lay out on. And I thought to myself, oh my God, he, he might die while he's doing this. I don't know. What do you think? Is he physically or mentally worse off? The answer is both, but which one is worse? That's how bad things are that now it's somebody else's fault when Joe Biden trips and falls on the stage. It's a I just fault.
5: think, though, I think that going back to uh, to Mika and her ladies who lunch, you know, clinking the Chardonnay glasses, uh, I think that as long as they believe the real decisions will be in 2024 made by uh, Jeff, what, Jeff Zintz, uh, Ron Klain, um, go down the list of the of the senior White House staff. Um, and as long as they're, you know, Anita Dunn, is she still in the mix? I mean, I don't even know. Isn't it funny? You don't really hear that much about Klain Biden.
2: stepped down. A lot of people are rotating out, I think, in advance right. of the campaign. Take,
5: Zines took over for Klain, right? But I'm just, but that doesn't mean that, that Klain is not.
2: Or that he's z- not going to come back as a part of the campaign apparatus yeah. and, and, and everything And in else. the
5: senior orbit. I'm just saying those figures, it doesn't even really matter who they are. But as long as, because remember, they're really just, they're Obama administration holdovers. Biden just puts a Biden name on an Obama apparatus. And Democrats are fine with that. And that's why I don't think the age, I don't think this stuff matters to them at all. Their only worry is, can we convince enough? People have been pointing out, what did Trump lose by in those three states? Officially, what's the official tally? We'll just look at the official tally. You
2: basically changed 30,000 votes. 20,000 votes change, then he wins.
5: So they figure if they can run the same playbook in the same states and get the same independents to go the same way, you get Biden term two. Simple as that.
2: I would just leave this as we go to break here. We can come back and we can talk about it a little bit. If this is the kind of conversation Democrats are now having publicly, oh, it's their fault he tripped over the sandbag. What are really well-sourced Democrats saying privately? And, Buck, I would just ask you this. What stories that aren't going public are circulating around the Gavin Newsoms of the world about the gaffes? You know, when you have Joe Biden coming out and trying to say hi to a dead congressperson in public, where's Jackie? That's a big deal, but we see it. What is actually happening behind the stage where they whisper and see things where they're like, oh, my goodness, this is indefensible.
5: The only way that stuff comes out, you have to remember, during the Trump administration, we saw this. Where it, you could be. Remember the guy who wrote the. Now I see him on TV occasionally. the The guy nobody anonymous had ever heard staffers. of. Who was like, um, yeah, I'm. I'm writing this letter because I am keeping my hand on the on the threshold of democracy. The uh, the anonymous uh, op ed guy, yeah. whatever. It's like because of me, the Trump trade is not going off the track. So more like,
2: like, we don't even know who that guy is. Like, I knew.
5: Yeah. I knew that it was nobody that anybody knew in in that White House at the time. But anyway, um. There's always the incentive to leak against a Republican president. You know, if you're somebody who feels like you haven't gotten the job you want in that White House or whatever, you go tell the you have a piece for The New York Times or The Washington Post. You have a quote that's going to slam a Republican president. They're going to sweet talk you. They'll probably say, hey, you know, introduce you to my publisher. Maybe you should write a memoir. There's all that. You and I both know in this Biden White House, if you go to The Washington Post in in during the election cycle with something that would really hurt Biden, They'd be like, I don't want to have this conversation. They don't want to talk to you about that. They're not looking, yeah. unless you're right and the Newsom machine is working in the in, the, in the background. We'll talk you, more about this. The, the Newsom machinery is getting loud. Everyone's joining Team uh, Newsom among the uh, Democrat conspiracy side. I never hear. I only hear people on the right saying this. I do not hear any Democrats saying it, which I do think is noteworthy. We'll come back to it. Um, but, you know, look, you see what goes on. If you don't have energy, focus, and drive, yeah, you can trip over sandbags. Yeah, you can fall down. You can have a rough day. Metaphorically or literally be tripping all over the place. There's no need for that. If you want a little bit of a boost in your day-to-day, want a little more energy, try Chalk. This company is making world-class everyday supplements to provide you and your body with the healthy ingredients that you need to feel healthy and strong. Chalk's Male Vitality Stack and Female Vitality Stack lead the way. These are specially formulated combinations of all-natural ingredients researched and proven to be helpful. For guys, the leading ingredient in this has been proven in research studies to replenish diminished amounts of testosterone. For women, Chalk's product provides a healthy hormone balance with a lot of research behind it. You'll find these both online at chalk.com. That's with a Q as in C-H-O-Q dot com. Save yourself 35% off for the life of your subscription. When you use my name Buck in that purchase process, you get a great benefit here. Use promo code buck, go to chalkchoq.com, you'll get 35% off.
1: Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Chalk up a win for Team Reality.
0: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get
2: your podcasts. Welcome in. Hour number three, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us as we polish off third hour of the program. Encourage you guys to go download the iHeartRadio app. You can listen to this show, many other shows all over the country, all around the world. Encourage you to go download the Clay Travis, Buck Sexton podcast, as many of you are. Uh, in the tune of 15 million plus of you every single month listening to this on podcast. And we're joined now by Senator Rand Paul, who I think understands the first amendment interplay, uh, with the government censorship and its impact better than almost anyone out there in the, uh, in Congress today. And I'll begin this by having a discussion. I bet you remember this, Senator. Thanks for taking the time with us. You did an interview sure. with us about COVID. Back in 2021, I believe, a couple of years ago, everything you said ended up being true. You are, of course, a doctor as well. YouTube refused to allow that interview to be shared. In fact, it was in 2022 as part of the preliminary for you when you were running for re-election in Kentucky. They took down that interview and refused to allow it to be shared because it was considered to be misinformation. Uh, That, to me, is a perfect example of one of the things that you're trying to address with your new legislation. But you can probably take a victory lap now because almost everything you've said about COVID has ended up being true. And that's why the First Amendment is so important, so that we can have a true marketplace of ideas and end up with the right outcome, meaning the one that is more likely to be true, more widely distrib- distributed.
8: It would be bad enough if this were YouTube alone, just a private company on their own decided that they were left wing and going to censor any kind of conservative's opinion. But it turns out it's worse than that. It's the government, the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, Biden, Apparachniks, Biden Associates meeting with big tech on a daily basis and getting together sometimes 50, 80 FBI agents and government agents all in one room with big tech and telling them, take this down or else." Take this down or we'll sue you for antitrust. Take this down or we'll take away your liability protections. Take this down or we'll take this to the very highest point of the White House, meaning the president. They have all of these threats recorded. And then we really are talking about a First Amendment case because now we're talking about the government threatening social media and telling them to take down material. With the Twitter files, we learned that not only did the FBI threaten Twitter to take things down – they would tell – Twitter said, well, we'll take it down, but it's a lot of work. So the FBI said, we'll pay you. So now we have the government paying Twitter to take down speech. Uh, this court case you know, that Eric Schmidt, the senator from Missouri, started and just came out of a district court recently is just amazing, that there's an injunction now that forbids the FBI from meeting with the White House to discuss removing politically or constitutionally protected speech. Interestingly, that injunction by the judge – is almost identical to what our bill does we've been working on this for a year from that angle the angle is that we don't think we really do have the power to regulate twitter or youtube but we have the power to regulate who the fbi meets with and what the fbi does to try to limit constitutionally protected speech
5: so what will that look like senator paul in practice if if the bill that uh that you want put forward here becomes law which we got joe biden as president so obviously there's some hurdles here but It would be a good thing, certainly, to uh, address and adopt for 2024 as well. Um, What would it actually look like? Because right now, the FBI is playing this game. We've seen some of the testimony on Capitol Hill. They say, well, you know, we'll abide by it. But you get the sense that they're going to try to find ways around it.
8: You know, ultimately, it's going to take a new president, a new attorney general, and someone who cares about speech. But short of that, our bill requires that people be fired. There's a punishment for people who do this it also gives a private right of action. So the interview that I did with you that they took down, we now would have a private right of action to sue the government for limiting our speech and we'd be able to the presumption is ours and the government has to defend that in court so that, that adds some some ability to complain about this but ultimately if they adhere to the law as written they will have to fire people so if you're a mid-level FBI agent and you're going over there and doing this you have to realize that the law says that you will be fired most people want a career in the FBI so they've been doing this and they're not You know, they lose their pension all kinds of stuff if they're fired there will be a big dis- incentive for them to do this. But the only way this ultimately happens and the only way it ever passes, we've got to get Democrats on board. I'm talking with some now. Democrats once upon a time were better defenders of the First Amendment than conservatives, maybe 30, 40 years ago. But in the last decade or two, this has switched and we're having trouble finding Democrats who are concerned about the First Amendment. They say, well, we're for protecting speech unless we disagree with it, which is a ridiculous notion of the First Amendment.
2: I think that's so important, and and I'll reiterate for everybody out there listening, and I bet you remember this, Senator Paul, because your consistent application of principles uh, is one of the reasons people in Kentucky keep sending you back, but it wasn't that long ago Bill Maher got fired for saying that the uh, people who flew into the 9-11 in the nine eleven terrorist attack were not cowards, and he wasn't saying they were good people. He was just saying, by definition, if you're willing to die for what you believe in, you're not a coward, He got canceled. He lost his show. Now, Democrats, 20 years later, are actually in a position where they are the censorious culture. So, do you foresee being able to get any Democrat support? Because, I'll be honest with you, I love everything you're saying about this bill. I can't imagine Joe Biden signing it, and sadly, I can't even imagine very many Democrats coming out in favor of it.
8: I'm working on on one particular senator. I'm not going to name him today, one Democrat senator, and we're going to be meeting with him in the next week or two. Uh, I'll have more information. If I can't get him, I probably can't get anybody. But if I get him, there's a possibility we can get a few others. There are a few progressives uh, on the House side. Roe Connor comes to mind who have – indicated that they are concerned about the government meeting and limiting speech and really if you defend the first amendment it's never been about defending the speech if you look at some of the most first uh, famous first amendment cases they're usually about despicable people saying despicable things right. the first amendment's about protecting people who say things that are rotten and unacceptable but it's about defending speech because once you limit the rotten speech that you don't like the next thing is well let's limit the people from the other party they just don't know what they're talking about And what it does is it limits the discovery of truth. Truth is discovered through disputation in court cases, but also in science. People don't realize, they think that there's like, scientific consensus and facts. You know, science is being disputed every day at meetings. If you present a paper in a meeting, they say, well, your age group was skewed or your control group was inadequate or you didn't have enough subjects or your statistical analysis isn't true. These debates happen every day and every paper is disputed. Even Einstein said that he was only one experimental way from being disproven all the time. He had proved things from his point of view, but it's always about the next person. I mean, Einstein basically um, changed the whole world of physics beyond Newtonian physics, and that was a huge deal, but it took a long time for people to accept that, and uh, it's the way it always is. Science moves forward uh, through disputation, And people who say there's a scientific consensus don't know anything about science, but there's real danger to that. So we live in the world now where most of the major networks won't have me on unless I will bend down and kiss the ring and say that uh, man is causing uh, climate change. If I won't do that or if I want to dispute that, I'm not an acceptable person. And ideally, they would take that down. That was the predicate. That was the beginning. Was the global change consensus, which became a media consensus, which became a stifling of other opinions. Then it became the COVID consensus, and so this is a real danger of allowing anybody to believe that there is a consensus of truth, but it's going to be arbitrated and uh, dispensed by government, and that's a, that's a real problem for a free society.
5: Speaking to Senator Paul of Kentucky, uh, Senator, I am sure you've seen a lot of the back and forth the last couple of days over uh, the requests to have Ukraine join NATO, the possibility of Ukraine joining NATO. Uh, There's some dispute as to, well, first of all, whether it will happen, but also the timing of it. For a lot of us who have been uh, skeptical of some of the official narrative of U.S. uh, backing of the Zelensky government, uh, the way that it has to the extent that it has, without preconditions and without setting parameters, this seems pretty unsettling because the whole problem with russia is really a function of whether or not ukraine would ever be in nato what do you make of all this
8: bring country a country that's already at war with russia into nato would be a vote to to expand the war directly to us uh, most people believe and look at the nato charter and say we're going to defend any of these countries and they believe that the power of the charter is in uh that application that it was not going to be applied the charter would lose its power so if you vote to put ukraine in nato you're voting to send our young men and women to ukraine there's no ifs ands or buts about it this is also why the sort of idea of pushing and pushing and pushing to put them in in some ways has led putin to be occupying parts of georgia and ukraine because he now knows that it's a deterrent to putting them in NATO if he occupies them and the war has already existed, so it actually probably, in some way, speeds up the timetable. It doesn't justify nothing justifies what he's done, but it speeds up that timetable because um, you know, other than some sort of radical voices uh, like Lindsey Graham agitating for this, most of the more reasonable voices up here, even though they love expanding NATO, aren't willing to do it in the middle of a war.
2: We just had an interesting conversation. We're playing some of the clips from RFK Jr. last night, I believe, with Jesse Waters on Fox News. I'm curious what you think about what he's saying about COVID, Big Pharma in general, based on your background uh, as a doctor. And are you surprised that he's the only Democrat, by and large, who's willing to raise many of these issues associated with COVID, the First Amendment, civil civil liberty issues, Uh, In general, what does it say that he seems to be having success somewhat even on the Democrat Party side with those opinions?
8: You know, I'm intrigued by Robert F. Kennedy. I've not met him in person. I have communicated a little bit with him. I've been intrigued by his uh, dogged pursuit of uh, sort of corporatism, the idea that big corporations, particularly pharmaceutical companies, are in bed with the FDA and have corrupted the process such that it is to benefit the company's profit and not necessarily the people. You know, these agencies were set up for like drug safety and this and that, but they've become agencies where all of the fees come from, user fees from big companies. People say, oh, that's great. The companies are paying for government. It's self-sufficient. Well, it is unless they control all the levers, and then it becomes sort of self-reinforcing. It's really a problem when you have people in government mandating that we use a certain pharmaceutical project product, and then uh, those same people are also on the boards. So we have former FDA head is now on the board member of Pfizer, He also has his own agents calling Twitter to suppress anything that is negative about taking Pfizer's vaccine. And look, more debate, the better. More speech, the better. But I don't like to see the people that sort of have their tentacles into government using government to mandate something that increases their profit. You know, if you want to be uh, just a a terrible authoritarian and mandate uh, vaccines and medicines on everybody, that's fine. But it's even worse that now you're authoritarian, but you're doing it for your own profit. And so this, you know... He's been pretty good at looking at stuff like this. I think he's made some pretty reasonable comments on Ukraine. Um, in the end, I think there'll probably be some separation between myself believing in a lot less government. But if there is some overlap, and I think he's uh, useful. And I'm always willing to hear people from the other side who I have some agreement with.
5: Senator Rand Paul, appreciate you being here with us. Thanks so much, sir. Thanks, guys. Support U.S.-funded resources. Phoenix Capital Group invites you to invest in the heart of America with our domestic energy corporate bonds. At Phoenix Capital, you can connect your private investor principal with direct investments in domestic energy assets. Your venture in these U.S.-backed equities can gain up to 9 to 12% annual interest paid monthly. It's a vote of confidence in the American dream and the unwavering spirit that built our nation. To find out more, download the Phoenix Group's free investment packet today at phxonair.com. Investment and bonds have a certain amount of risk associated with it, and you should only invest if you can afford to bear the risk of loss. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Learn how you can diversify your investments and earn 9 to 12% APY. Download the Phoenix Group's free investment packet today at phxonair.com.
1: From the front lines of truth, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton.
5: We haven't talked uh, in a few days, I think, about RFK Jr., who is still out there getting uh, a lot of attention, and um, people are looking into what is it exactly that the long-term play is here. Um, RFK Jr. occasionally says things, Clay, where I go, oh, man, I really like that a lot. (laughs) So on COVID, really, that's where he... That's where he gets me when he talks about the covid stuff. Um, We've got to get him back on. And we've we've been in touch with his team. He is running around. He's he's been a little busy. We'll get him on at some point, hopefully soon to answer other policy questions. I mean, basically, he's running as a Democrat. So I assume he disagrees with Republicans on most things that aren't covid related, although he did sound pretty reasonable recently on the border. But uh, here he is again talking about COVID and bad policy, and he's even said that he would be willing, if he were president, to prosecute Fauci if uh, malfeasance was further malfeasance was uncovered. Play nine.
7: Do I think that he committed crimes? I think he caused a lot of injury. I think that uh, he, particularly by withholding early treatment, from Americans, uh, you know, we racked up the highest death count in the world. We only have 4.2 percent of the globe's population, but we had 16 percent of the COVID deaths in this country, and that is uh, that was from bad policy. So there are many, many things that we did wrong in this country, and uh, and some of those were, uh, I would say, knowing knowingly, at at some of the things that were done by public health officials at that time, that they knew that they would be harmful.
5: Knowingly harmful. Um, I think that what you could put in that category, one thing he leaves out is that the U.S., we know that uh, weight was the primary uh, comorbidity after age. That remained true even after all the data, everything's been looked at. Um, so the U.S. was in a worse position that way than a lot of other countries, though, the, though, not all countries. There are some Western European countries, uh, for example, that have very have pretty close to similar uh, average BMI rates. But, Clay, when you look at the intentionally bad things that were done, um, I mean, lockdowns very high on that list, the masking policy, which was always absurd, moronic, and people who believed in it should be embarrassed, people who enforced it should be, you know, should feel awful about themselves. And uh, also, I would say the suppression of herd immunity as a concept in medicine, which was one of the it's not a lie that gets spoken about as much, but it is one of the biggest lies of all when they acted like if you'd already had covid, that shouldn't really make any difference in how you go about your, your day to day life, what kind of risk you are to people. That was insane. Imagine how much different things would be if we had had the
2: right leadership at the time and they had come out and said, hey, the number one thing you can do on an individual basis to combat COVID is exercise as much as you can and lose as much weight as you can. Because that was the truth, right? The num- you can't control your age. It's not like if you're 78, suddenly you can say, okay, well, I'm going to be 68 instead. But if you weighed 290 pounds, you could say, okay, I'm going to try to get down to 250. I'm going to exercise. Instead, we told people to do the exact opposite, Buck. We told them to go to their rooms, go to their homes, and don't interact at all. Sit on the couch and watch Netflix. And that, to me, leaving aside what I think is the biggest part of this public policy health failure, which is shutting down schools. I'm sure yesterday, even the New York Times had a front-page news story where it said, hey, that whole pandemic learning gap, it's not getting erased. It's actually growing more substantial. And this Democrat Party, which claims to care about equity, actually created the least equitable outcomes in any of our lives by keeping predominantly black and brown students out of school the most, further creating gaps between them and white and Asian students who were more likely to be in school. But Buck, one thing I wonder, when I every time I hear RFK Jr., I would vote for RFK Jr., right? People out there say, oh my God, how?" Whoa, like, I, whoa. Would, I would consider, like if you gave me Mitt Romney, or rfk jr i would rather vote for rfk jr than mitt romney ah,
9: that's okay now no, that's a tough one that's a tough. okay one,
2: i'm just i'm just saying like i mean mitt romney's not is, running i get it but he was the nominee not very long ago i know um, and I know, so and so or paul ryan you told me hey you can get rfk jr or paul ryan he was the friggin you know uh the speaker of the house i would vote rfk jr so what i'm saying about that
5: you would vote for RFK Jr over Paul Ryan.
2: I would. Oh man.
5: I mean I, again, I have to hear I have to hear what RFK Jr thinks cuz I think that Paul Ryan is is a Republican, is he somebody who's established and no all spine. that? Yeah, sure. He has
2: no spine. I want spine over cuz you're going to make whatever comments you're going to make out there on the p- campaign trail. I want somebody that actually has a spine. Stand up for something. And I think RFK Jr. does. So my point on this, Buck, is I bet there are a lot of people out there listening to us in New Hampshire right now. And I haven't heard anybody discuss this. In February, I think RFK Jr. is going to win New Hampshire for Democrats. Partly because independents can go vote. Everybody forgets in 2016 when Trump won New Hampshire, a lot of people were deciding, Buck, between Trump or Bernie Sanders. Especially in New Hampshire, there are a lot of people that just wanted a disruptive candidate. I think in 2024, what people want the most is a candidate that's going to be honest with them. I, I think that more than anything else. And there are lots of things RFK Jr. is saying that I disagree with. But the single thing that I want the most from a politician in 2024, personally, is honesty on covid and a reckoning for everything that we've gotten wrong on censorship uh, and the First Amendment and everything surrounding COVID. RFK Jr. is right on that. I think Paul Ryan would come out and say, hey, I think you guys need to go get your boosters. I think he's a stooge in that way for big corporate governance.
5: Do you think if you had a choice between... Andrew Tate or Mitt Romney or Paul Ryan? <laughs> would you go Andrew Tate? I would vote Andrew Tate over both those guys. Go, go Andrew Tate. So here, here he is, Tucker, who is doing his show on, uh, on Twitter these days. Tucker on Twitter. He had a, a lengthy sit down with Andrew Tate oh, over two hours. Uh, here is what now, now Tate just, so everyone's up to speed on this. We've talked about him before on the show. Uh, yes, he is controversial. Yes, he says things that, um, We would not agree with or you know whatever but he also says some things that i think are important for people to hear there's a reason he's the most uh was the most googled man i think on the planet for a few months last year that was at least the story we heard Uh, clay has said many times that his his sons and people young boys in their teenage years love love andrew tate now he is under house arrest in romania for um human alleged human trafficking when he discusses the charges They do sound uh, very flimsy. The whole thing sounds very strange. Um, He's not accused of using force on anybody. He's not accused of threatening force against anybody. Um, But anyway, but this is now we haven't actually seen the Romanian prosecution present its case, so we'll see. But he talked to Tucker. But this is about COVID. Actually, here's what he said about our a lesson that we should take from the COVID reality. Play ten.
0: It was interesting for me because, and I want to be an optimist. But I lost so much faith in humanity during COVID. I really, if you would have told me how COVID would have gone down before COVID, I'd say, no way. We're not that bad. (laughs) You know, like I thought the people aren't that dumb. But when I experienced COVID, it's actually scary. You see how the Nazis managed to do what they did. You see how they managed to put people in concentration
5: camps. You see it. Now, I mean, uh, you know, the, the last part obviously is getting to a, uh, an extreme, but just the notion of a disappointment in in humanity with how there was a general reaction to COVID. I I felt that very acutely as well. I, I I felt it very much about New York City, about about my fellow New Yorkers at the time. Not all of them, obviously, not the people who were listening to me on radio. They were listening to me because I was speaking the truth about how insane New York had gone. If Co- here's a good
2: question for you, Buck. If COVID didn't happen, would you be speaking to me from Miami right now? Nope.
5: Nope. Um, That, I mean, it changed so much for so many people, I think, because there there was also a sense of not just I don't want to be around for the next time they go insane, but there was a sense of if I don't do something about this and take my tax dollars away from some of these places, am I really going to be able to just keep complaining about this, right? And I think a lot of Californians had felt that way. A lot of New Yorkers have felt that way. And and it's uh, it's something that we're still dealing with, and I don't think we've dealt with it very effectively at all. Um, I think the fact that there hasn't been more of a willingness uh, to have some kind of a you know truth commission, I don't know what you would yeah. even really call it, about everything that happened there, but they made a lot of people complicit in it. And I think that when RFK Jr., just to bring it full circle, when he says he'd be willing to look at crimes that were committed against people, um, That should be the uh, that should be the mentality. It should be that we have not gone past this. The statute has not run. Let's lock some people up over locking millions of people up based on lunacy. I
2: 100% agree with all that, Buck. And that's why. Do you feel like Mitt Romney would say that? Do you feel like Paul Ryan would say that associated with COVID?
5: Uh, look, I'm not, I'm not sitting no, here, you no, know. No. I, I,
2: I think that there are tons of people listening to us right now that agreed with everything you say, and also are going to agree with everything I say right here, which is if you got the biggest issue in any of our lives wrong, COVID was the ultimate test for government in our lives. Some of you lived through Vietnam. I did not. But the legacy of Vietnam lingered for a generation. People didn't trust their government. They were lied to for Vietnam. This is our generation's Vietnam. And I feel like there are tons of people all over the country, around our age, Buck, listening, and some older and some younger, that want there to be a reckoning so desperately for the lies that we were told that party is swept off in many ways. There are lots of things RFK Jr. would say that I would disagree with, But Mitt Romney wouldn't say what you just said. Paul Ryan would not say what you just said. There are a lot of Republicans out there that are just like, well, we didn't know any better. Let's just move on. No. When the government fails, and worse than when they fail, when they lie to all of us and there is zero accountability, my number one issue as an American citizen is I want those people held accountable, and I think RFK Jr. would try to do it. I think a lot of Republican candidates would, but that's my number one issue. So I would be willing, if you told me, hey, Mitt Romney, who's like, you know, pharmaceutical companies are really good, Paul Ryan, who's going to sit around and say, you know, we need to give tax cuts to Johnson & Johnson and Pfizer because of what they did to get this COVID shot ready, and RFK Jr. is going to be like, F that, we need to hold these guys accountable. I'm voting for the guy who says, F that, we need to hold these guys accountable, regardless of party, if that's
5: the choice. Very interesting. Innovation refunds, my friends, they've helped thousands of small businesses with their ERC tax refunds. Are you a small business owner who started filing for the ERC tax refund and maybe got stuck halfway? Some companies have a super complicated process or don't have anyone with experience to help you navigate that process. Innovation refunds hears this all the time, and they can help you finish today even if you started your filing with another company. Innovation Refunds' team of independent tax attorneys are experienced in understanding ways that different kinds of companies can claim tax deductions as a result of the pandemic. Innovation Refunds has been helping eligible businesses claim their ERC tax refunds since 2021, and they may be able to help your business, too. Go to their website, InnovationRefunds.com, to see if you qualify. There's no upfront charge. They don't get paid unless you get paid. Call them at 843-REFUNDS. That's 843-REFUNDS. Or go to InnovationRefunds.com. That's InnovationRefunds.com.
1: You don't know what you don't know, right? But you could on the Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast.
0: Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Welcome back in Clay Travis Buck Sexton show. Uh, we are joined now by representative Mike Johnson from Louisiana. He was on the he was in the committee hearing earlier today when Christopher Ray, director of the FBI, was grilled about the political nature of the FBI. Uh, and uh, we played at least one of your sound bites earlier in the show, Representative Johnson. So We appreciate the questions that you were asking. What, if anything, was your biggest takeaway from Christopher Ray's testimony today on Capitol Hill?
9: Well, uh, the takeaway is that he's been pretty evasive. Um, it, it's really stunning to me, uh, guys. And I and I said this in my questions with him that. We have this explosive 155-page federal court ruling released on July 4th, appropriately, poetically, saying that the FBI is directly involved in – this is the court's quote, not mine – arguably the most massive attack against free speech in United States history. And the director of the agency that is um, is being accused of this hasn't even read the opinion. He's got a quick briefing on it, but he really wasn't prepared to discuss it today. I mean – it's unbelievable to do me.
2: Do you believe that? What's do you believe that he FBI? hasn't actually, sorry to cut you off, but do you believe that he hasn't actually yeah. read it, or do you think he was just trying to avoid having to be questioned about any of the findings in that report, in that uh, opinion? Well,
9: well, I think it's both, you know. I, I'm sure his lawyers briefed him on it. But, you know, if I was the director of the FBI, if you were, and and you had a court accusing you of the most egregious violations of the First Amendment in the history of the country. I'd read it. It would, it would uh, merit some of my attention, you know. Um, But but he he doesn't seem to to care, and I I do think that he was very uncomfortable answering questions about that because there's really no way to defend what they've done.
5: Congressman, one part of of me, though, hears this and sees some of this testimony and thinks, well, maybe he doesn't care because he thinks there won't be any consequences and and he's right. What do you say to
9: that? It's a great question. I, I have to answer this all the time and remind people back home, you know, we only have a majority in one house of Congress, and we barely have a majority there. Right? Even if we did, let's say we have the majority in the Senate and in the House right now, we don't have the ability under the Constitution as members of Congress to perp walk anybody. I can't get him fired. I can't. Uh, I, I can't uh, indict him. Right? I can't put him on on trial in a court. But what I can do is put him on trial in the court of public opinion. That's what we we're trying to do today, to put the facts out for the American people. What that ultimately will do is it will lead them to make important choices in the election cycle about who's running the White House, because that's who appoints all these people, and second, it allows us the foundation to bring real reform, and and we're limited in our scope of what we can do here with oversight, but we can change the law, we can change the way the FBI operates and is structured, and we can cut some of the funding when necessary. You know, they want a $1 billion new fancy new headquarters. I don't think they deserve that. If they can't respect the most fundamental constitutional rights the people they're supposed to serve and protect so that's what's at issue here we have the power of the purse and we're going to use that
2: representative johnson one of the, uh one of the things that i'm most fascinated about and we didn't get to watch this live because we were on the air for uh for a substantial portion of the hearings but we know and and i i'm just curious if you would follow me along here because i think this goes to the very essence of the fbi's political nature we know that they took possession of the Hunter Biden laptop in December of 2019. We know that yeah. shortly thereafter they determined that laptop was 100% authentic and real and began to investigate a variety of different crimes associated with it. But yet the next year, in October, when the New York Post told us about this laptop, they aided and abetted and had aided and embedded for months The idea that this might be Russian disinformation and allowed the censorship of this to occur. In fact, they encouraged the censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop story to occur. To me, that's criminal in nature. Was Christopher Ray asked anything about that particularly? And how is it possible that he's still not having to answer for that from three and four years ago?
9: No, it's a great question, and I did ask him that this morning. In fact, the court, this court opinion out of Louisiana that came out July 4th, in multiple places in this 155-page opinion, the court goes there because it's so important. It's the essence of all all of this. It it absolutely is. You're right. And And I asked him. I've got the transcript of what I asked him right here. I said, quote, the court's found, quote, This seemingly unrelenting pressure by the FBI had the intended result of suppressing millions of protected free speech postings by American citizens. That's the court's language, not mine. And the court continues. As a result, millions of U.S. citizens did not hear of the Hunter Biden laptop story prior to the November 3rd, 2020 election. We know that that had an effect on the outcome of the election. The post-election polling shows that if the people had known about it, they would have voted differently in that election. Guys, we can right. never go back and unwind history, but that is a profound piece of information here. And the director uh, pretended as though he didn't know that was that was true or it had not been mentioned in the case. It's it's just stunning, stunning.
5: Congressman Johnson, how far do you think this politicized rot extends in the FBI? I think that people often, when they hear about this or that, there's discussions of this. There's this perception: oh, if we let's say if we replaced Ray with somebody who was really good, then everything in the FBI would change. I, years ago, worked in the CIA. I would tell people that most folks don't even interact in these organizations at all with the director. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't policy, but what do you think would have to happen? I mean, how much change does the FBI need before it can gain the trust of the American people? What does that look like?
9: Well, we've got a long way to go. And one of the alarming statistics I brought up to the director this morning was that There was an NBC News poll that came out last week. Only 37% of registered voters now view the FBI positively. 37%! Guys, if we we can't maintain the people's faith in our system of justice and the department that is supposed to be administering all this, we're in serious trouble. I mean, this is a, a foundational underpinning of maintaining a republic. The stakes couldn't be any higher. What we need to do is, you know, we don't have a beef with the 38,000 you know, employees and line agents at the FBI. We've got a lot of patriots serving in the CIA and the FBI. We know that. But the leadership at the top, maybe the top two levels, is corrupted. I mean, they're allowing this to go on. And, and under Merrick Garland's leadership at the Department of Justice, they are losing the faith of the people. And we have got to restore it, and we need to start that yesterday. And the way we do it is by serious reform that the people can see and understand. That's what we're trying to evoke from these guys. To, to to make them bring that to us and present it to the people because we have no time to lose here.
2: Congressman Johnson, I go a lot to motivation uh, because I don't think there's any doubt at all that the head of the FBI, Christopher Wray, is corrupt um, and that he is aided further in the corruption of the FBI from a top-down basis. Why is he corrupt? What is he gaining in your mind from this?
9: I I think there are systematic issues in the agency, and there's there's probably a lot of reasons for this. Um, I I think some of it, to be very frank and not to get too deep in the weeds, but we've had some testimony from uh, field agents who served in the FBI, you know, 30 plus years, and they said they could see a development. Uh, in this direction, after nine eleven, for example, remember the big controversy then was that the agencies and intel were not all connected, and they couldn't compare notes, and and therefore yep. we didn't respond as effectively as we could. So there was this move to consolidate everything. Well, what happened was. Uh, especially under the Obama Administration and now on steroids under the Biden Administration, is that they consolidated the power, you know. Instead of having the uh, authority down in the field offices out throughout the country where you had multiple levels of review before they would, you know, go investigate parents at school board meetings or label Catholics as domestic terrorists or whatever, that that would be checked by somebody in one of those offices. Hey, gee whiz, guys, I'm not sure we should do that, right? But now they've taken all that authority and and, and, um, brought it into the headquarters, the main office, where you just have a handful of people at the very top making the decisions on these things. That's the problem, and, and or it's a big part of the problem. And then also you have Biden putting political people with agendas in these positions that are supposed to be apolitical. Right? And so they become basically an arm of the party in power. And that's that's the problem at, at its essence, And we've got to get back to the main uh, mission of the FBI and to get away from the politics. And we've got a long way to go to do it right now.
5: Congressman Johnson, appreciate you being with us, sir. Thanks so much.
9: You got it. Thank you, guys.
5: There's a former Wall Street insider who's got a bold prediction about changes coming to our basic currency system here in this country. Tika Tawaii is his name. He's an author of many well thought of financial newsletters who pays attention to our nation's economy and what's affecting it. He believes our federal government could soon announce a mandatory national recall on the U.S. dollar. Those would be replaced with a new digital version that will be radically different from what you have in your bank account right now. Tika Tawaii is warning that the official announcement could come as soon as two weeks from now on July 26th. He's exposing this government plan in a controversial new video and showing you the three steps you need to take to prepare. Go to dollarrecall.com to watch this video. Likely some in our government don't want you to see it. Again, go to dollarrecall.com And see how to prepare before it's too late. Your savings account could depend on it. One more time, that is dollarrecall.com, paid for by Palm Beach Research Group.
1: Heard it on the show? Hear more on the podcast. Clay and Buck Podcast Deep Dives. More content, more common sense. Find the guides on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.